It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets. Dan Grossa joined, as always, by former Jet linebacker Bart Scott. We're brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Bart, what's going on, my friend? How's things? Doing good, man. I feel much better if this was a victory Monday, but it is what it is. I believe in the process. Yes, I said the P word, process. Um, Some things to build off of, some things that we definitely have to get cleaned up. But all in all, I understand where we're trying to go and the future, I hope, is bright. You know, Coach Sala alluded to that as much yesterday. And as you said, you know, another tough one at the office, 30 to 9, they fall to the Saints at MetLife Stadium yesterday, they officially are eliminated from the postseason chase for the 11th consecutive year, which is disappointing. I mean, you were on the last two Jet teams to make the playoffs back in 2009 and 2010. I'm sure it seems like a long time ago for you, for a lot of the fans out there, but, you know, you hit on the process. And Coach Sala mentioned that after the game yesterday, that they have a clear vision, a clear plan of where this program is going. A lot of young guys are getting experience right now. Maybe it's not producing the results that a lot of fans want to see, but eventually it's going to get there and you hope that it's going to be pretty special. But it's the second year in a row that, you know, this young core of young players now granted under a different regime has gotten experience to build the back end of the roster. You know, eventually you're going to have to be able to rely on some teams and some people and understand that this league is all about depth. And, you know, the jets were built to compete this year from their front end starters. But once those guys start going down, the replacements didn't have the the football acumen or the experience to be able to hold up the standard. Now, they're trying and fighting as best they can, but it's just tough sledding right now. They have to figure out how to continue to get better, how to develop your quarterback. And it's tough because you talk about a young core. You know, it's, it's missing Makai Becton. It's missing Michael Carter. It's missing Elijah Moore. Is missing Corey Davis, which is supposed. Those are four people out of eleven people that's supposed to be on the field that are out that are supposed to be part of the solution. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, and then he could also go on to the defensive side of the ball, and there's going to be a lot of names over there as well that you know aren't part of the plan as we speak because they're on injured reserve. I saw a story earlier in the week. I can't remember the exact figure, but the Jets have the largest percentage of salary cap on injured reserve right now compared to any other team in the National Football League. So to your point, I mean, look, I understand the good teams and the winning teams have depth and they make sure that they have a nice complement of players on their roster. But to your point, the front end talent on this football team that we relied so much on going into the season that if the Jets were going to be a winning team, you had to rely on these guys. If they're not out there on the field, that means it's a lot of youth. It's a lot of inexperience. And I think you're seeing some of those warts present themselves now on Sundays. Absolutely. And that's just the frustrating part. That's why you keep the standard, the standard. You try and teach the ones that you can and say, hey, the ones who stay will be champions. Right. We understand that every year is 35 percent turnover on a roster um, and you have to figure things out. Um, you you want to say, hey, let's finish strong. It's all about developing Zach Wilson. You hope that maybe Elijah Moore. Well, Elijah, he's on he's on IR, so he's not scheduled or, or able to come back. At least anytime. two more games. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, right? You just do what you can, and, it, it, and it's like that sometimes. You, you see a team like the Baltimore Ravens seemingly running out of bodies, 
but the Jets have ran out of bodies because they didn't have as many bodies as a lot of teams because you're at the beginning of this regime. This year's draft, this year's free agency is going to be very, very vital and key to being able to establish some, some more depth so that if you experience losses, you can, you can be able to absorb them because in the NFL, nobody's going to have a clean year. Everybody's had their adversity. And unfortunately, the Jets have had their adversity you know, first on the defensive side of the ball, you talk about losing your two starting safeties, then losing your starting linebacker for a, for a long period of time and Davis being hurt, and also losing your best pass rusher, your offseason acquisition. Those are four important parts. You talk about if you want to break it down, anybody that does math, that's one-third of what you anticipate in being a key part in the impact of your defense gone. Then you do that on the offensive side, and then you – don't have those people. I mean, Walters is a great story, but I mean, he, he wasn't even, nobody even knew who he was a couple of weeks ago. And now you have a lot of young guys playing like solid said yesterday that you didn't even intend to play. They didn't expect to play. And now you're trying to coach them up. But at the end of the day, they weren't going to be relied on because they weren't ready yet or they weren't talented enough to be put in that position. But you know, that's the NFL. A lot of teams are experiencing the same thing. No, you're right about that. I mean, think about it even in the secondary with the corner position, right? It's all first and second year guys that are playing the cornerback spot. And that, you know, they're getting valuable reps, valuable experience. And you're seeing that some of these guys are going to probably blossom into some good players, but it's a lot being thrown on their plate as is right now. And you just hope that, you know, you brought up the draft, for example. You know, you think about where the Jets stand right now. They got two first round picks, two second round picks in this upcoming draft. If you want to go by the 2021 draft, I mean, think of how much talent that has produced already. And these guys are going to get only better. You know, you ran down some of those names. So you got to be excited about that. Got a lot of draft capital. You got a lot of cap space in the offseason. So it's continuing to build upon, you know, what this team already did and outlined this year. Take the young guys, maybe fortify it with some veteran leadership and free agency, add more youth to it with the draft. This thing could turn around in a hurry, but unfortunately, you know, you're going to run into a game like yesterday, Bart, where it's just not enough quality bodies going up against the opposition. And you had a team that was only to pr able to produce nine points and seemed like they ran out of gas a little bit on defense. And look, New Orleans really wasn't going to trick you too much. You know that they had a quarterback who was thrown with a bad finger. You know, the, the, the passing game is not really his strong suit anyway in Taysom Hill. And they kept running and running and running. And eventually, you know, that damn burst a little bit in the second half. And that's how the Saints were able to turn out a victory. Well, Alvin Kamara is one of the special talents in his league. And he, he no can doubt. make a completely healthy team look silly, right? And being able to have Ramchek and, and Armstead back made them even more uh, of a, 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 a adversary, right? More of a qualified opponent, right? And, and they were able to, to do just enough and, and understand, see, this is the thing. They, they know who they are, right? They know who they are. The Jets are trying to discover who they are as a team and as an organization and as a program. So even when you when you have a team where you you know who you are, much like when you watch the Ravens, when you, when you look at you know the backup go in, nobody panics because they know who they are, right? Because they've had an opportunity to develop and establish their identity, so it's easier. But you know when you have a new program, you know you, this was a team that was built for the better part of a decade to be a, a three four team, right? You don't have. Right. Understanding the techniques, understanding being around, being, having those techniques beat into your head, understanding how you see certain fronts. 
you know, so now, you know, you got to continue to bring guys that, that fit your program and you can't just come in and say, okay, let's get rid of everybody that was here before. You have to figure out who you can stay with, who you can. I mean, I remember when I came in, you had Abe uh, Elam, you know, let him go. We had a couple of defensive linemen, let them go. And Rex, Rex cleaned out shop a little bit to bring in players that fit his type. And I think Sal is trying to figure out what type of receivers he wants to fit his type, trying to figure out, you know, you know, this year really not getting a lot of productivity from the tight end position. You know, understand that now the, the tight end position is a glamour position in this league. You have to have a tight end that's capable of putting up 700 to 1,000 yards in productivity. You know, they're struggling in that department. They have to figure out a way to get more out of that spot. And, um, you know, it's a work in progress. No doubt about it. Speaking of a work in progress, though, one of those afternoons for the quarterback as well. So let's hear from Zach Wilson, who after the game caught up with our play-by-play guy, Bob Wischusen. Zach, why the struggles today? When, when you look back on this game, what do you think you're going to see? Uh, just not just not executing. That's really all it comes down to. Um, i got to make better throws. Uh, we got to establish some drives, you know, get going. Um, defense did a good job holding them up, gave us a lot of opportunities, and uh, we got to take advantage of it on offense. When you miss some of the simpler throws, for you, is that technique? Is it between your ears? Like when you go back and you look at the game and you say, "All right, you know, I missed a wide receiver screen." Like, where, explain to a fan that's watching that and is confused where that comes from. Yeah, I mean that one just slipped off my hand. I got to be able to just to to move on from those and uh, just trust it. You know, just let it rip. Uh, that's really all it comes down to. How much do you miss Corey, uh, Elijah? I mean, obviously, you know, those are your number one and number two receivers. Uh, how is this offense different for you when those guys are there? Yeah, no, it should be no different. You know, I thought the guys uh, today were ready for the opportunity to step up. I got to give them, uh, you know, some better throws, put them in some better situations. And, um, you know, uh, obviously it'd be nice to have those guys out, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's how the NFL goes. You know, next guy up. Um, and I thought they did a good job. I got I to give them some better throws. All right, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. And we are brought to you by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured. Some positive injury news, Bart, coming out of Coach Sala on Monday, as a matter of fact, that the Jets are going to get a few more reinforcements, it looks like, for this game against the Miami Dolphins coming up on Sunday. Tyler Croft, Tevin Coleman, Bryce Huff, along with both Michael Carters, offense and defense, all should be back for this game against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, which certainly would be much appreciated on both sides of the football. Oh, that's great, right? Because what you want to do is you want to sell hope and you want to give the fan base something to root for. You want to let them see what this team looks like with reinforcements, with guys that are figuring it out. Michael Carter continue to be. I think Michael Carter and Elijah Moore, to, for my money, before Michael Carter got hurt, was going neck and neck for, for me for oh, like yeah. offensive impact. Right, you you can throw Vera Tucker in there as well, but we always know that it doesn't really usually go to the deep offensive linemen. You know, as far as most impre- impressive rookies outside of, uh, you know, uh, Tucker was going to be like those two. Like that showed you that you had you hit on three, you know, pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Right. And understand it with all the draft capital, it sells hope to the fan base. Like, man, we get another three. Then that's six. Right. That's six guys that we expect to be able to contribute. And on the defensive side, Michael Carter has been everything that we thought he would be. I think and more. I think he's been as surprising to me as uh, Hall was last year. Now, we knew Hall was a first-round you know, caliber player that just had injuries in college and he had to get healthy. But, man, right. Michael Carter's been you know, tremendous in that slot, which is one of the hardest places to play. You know, you can't – I don't recall any games where you can say, hey, man, this guy just looks 
like he's overmatched, outmatched, and he, and he and he looks lost out there. So that's tremendous. And I think that you know when you think about going to play a divisional opponent, you want to make sure that you represent yourself well in their house. They came to your house and got the job done. You want to go in their house and return the favor. And, you know, you think about the Dolphin game, too. You know, Michael, or excuse me, Joe Flacco played the game at MetLife Stadium. You know, Zach Wilson was still on the sidelines with the injury. So now Zach is going to have an opportunity to play against Miami. And when you talk about the rookie class and the young players, I mean, let's not forget, if he pans out like everybody in the organization hopes he will, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, Bart. I mean, this 2021 draft class has a chance to really set this program off on a trajectory, which you hope is going to carry them to a lot of winning seasons in the future. Absolutely, right? You know, it's, it's, we talk about foundation and pouring a foundation, right? A house can't stand without a good, solid foundation. And continue to, to build this offensive line, bring quality depth in. You know, you brought high-character guys in, McGovern, Duvernay, Morgan, Moses. You know, these are fan, these are guys that are, you know, high-caliber character guys, right? So you understand yep. when, when things are tough, it's the character that, that, that still allows you to, to come to work and play well, practice well and be a and be a leader and you know they have that right you talk about the veteran leadership of guys like cj mosley eventually like you're going to get reinforcements you're going to have talent but if you don't have the character you can have all the talent you want because the 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 the, the, the talent uh the talent sets the floor the character sets the ceiling and um you know if you know the talent to come and the development to come experience and being able to be in moments be able to have communication go through things together you know, mess up, do them well, go into meeting rooms, and then have to talk about how they're supposed to see it. I tell people all the time, a veteran is a veteran. It's not because he hasn't made mistakes. It's that, that he's made all the mistakes. He just doesn't make them twice, and he's been able to grow from his mistakes. Whether you make those mistakes in the game, whether you make them in practice, you know, it's unique things that come up in situations where, you know, you don't have the experience. You've never, you know, been in that position before. And you have to be able to use the tools in your tool belt and know which ones to pull out to give you a better chance to get the desired outcome. No doubt about it here. You know, talking about experience, a guy who's already had a couple of years experience as the Jets center, that's Connor McGovern. He's going to join us coming up next here on Inside the Jets. Dan Gross and Bart Scott were brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. And we're joined now by Connor McGovern of the New York Jets, their starting center, and it's our player guest segment brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Connor, it's Dan and Barth. Thanks for joining us today, my friend. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. Now, you know, coming into this season, I understand you guys are going to have a young quarterback, but also a new left tackle, I mean, a new left guard, you know, Fant coming in, Morgan Moses. How are you guys um, gelling and is the nonverbal communication, you know, kind of picking up? Are you guys starting to have that nonverbal communication where you see fronts and blitzes the same? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's something that we've gotten better at um, as the year's gone on. And, you know, I'd say the cohesion in this room and, and uh, the continuity is, is definitely one of the highest um, in a room I've been around. Um, you know, it's not like there's two guys hanging out here, a couple guys there. You know, we're all really close. Um, you know, we're in the end of the old line room like 10, 10, 15 minutes before every day. And we just sit and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, shoot for lack of better term and, and just uh, uh, and, you know, kind of just hang out. And, uh, you know, we've really gotten to know each other really well, um, something we didn't really get to do last year because um, of COVID. And then we obviously added a bunch of 
um, new faces again this year. And, and uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's been a good year. It's, it's definitely the, the closest knit room I've been around and, and that does translate on the field um, that the nonverbal stuff, the really understanding where, you know, a guy is going to be, um, you know, if you're sliding and, and they're going to get, you're getting this look, you know, I, you know, I kind of know exactly where um, everybody's going to be. So it makes, it makes picking things up easier. It makes passing off twists easier. Um, you know, I think last year we were probably the worst offense line at passing off twists. And uh, this year, um, you know, we've been doing, in my opinion, a really good job of it. Um, you know, we, we get beat by a twist here or there, but uh, for the most part, you know, it looks pretty smooth. And, and uh, um, I think that's kind of what, when you talk about <clears throat> understanding and, and, and really understanding where a guy's going to be, um, you know, you know exactly where someone's going to set and, and that makes passing off uh, twists and games and blitzes uh, a lot easier. How has the adjustment been to kind of moving from seemingly, and correct me if I'm out of, out of school, as far as the gap scheme kind of that you guys kind of had last year to more of a zone scheme and more of an east and west type of, of scheme. How's that adjustment with the guys? You know, you got a lot of young guys. You know, Beckton's not playing right now, but kind of he seemed to flourish in the gap scheme. What's the difference? Explain to our listeners what the difference um, in, in going with a gap scheme and or moving from a gap scheme to a zone scheme. Yeah, you know, gap scheme, it's a lot more um, downhill. Um, you know, it, it, you're, it's really just, you know, I'd compare it more to like, you know, you're just a bulldozer in a gap scheme. Um, it, it definitely, it helps the, uh, the bigger guy a little bit more than the, than the smaller guy. Um, for, you know, an offense lineman, you can range from, you know, 6'3", you know, I mean, 285 nowadays is a little small, but like 290, 295 to you got big, big back at like, you know, 6'8", 380. So, um, you know, a, a guy that doesn't – a guy at back size that doesn't have back's athleticism would be really hard for him to do the zone scheme, which now it's, it, you know, you're more of a – you're running off the ball. You know, you're 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 using your presence off the ball of, of like speed and – and stuff to open up gaps instead of just physically moving people out of gaps. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest, biggest guy in the world, but, um, I like to think I'm pretty athletic. So I fit the zone scheme, um, much better than, than the, uh, gap scheme. Um, it's kind of, you know, um, what, what got me noticed in Denver. Um, we were in this tree, um, that year, the, the, the West coast, um, um, tree, and, you know, so I, I was pretty fired up that we were going to go back to this. But, yeah, you know, this scheme really favors the the athlete over the, the true bulldozer. Um, and, you know, it's um, – in my opinion, it's it's how I like to get a defense to move because you can – there's a lot more play pass, a lot more keepers and boots and movements that come off the zone scheme than the gap. Um, don't get me wrong, there's some pretty good uh, play pass off the gap, but – I would say your your the range and, and what you're able to do in the play pass um, off the of zone is is much higher than off gap and and so that's kind of what what this comes from and I mean you can hit a huge run on a gap scheme but you know you get those you know those runs that look really pretty and hit for forty a lot more times than not come off of a of a zone scheme and the back making a great cut and and uh, taking it long so um, personally I'm in I'm in favor of the uh, of the, the, the zone scheme over gap, but, um, you, you, you know, we still, I mean, we hit a gap run last week or this last Sunday for, 
a nice little 14 yards. Um, so you did compliment each other and, and, uh, but we definitely are heavy zone now. You know, Bart was just talking about in trying to integrate all these new faces on the offensive line and for you guys to come together. I'm curious, what's the biggest challenge, if any, Connor? You know, you've had to play with four different quarterbacks this season, you know, trying to get acclimated to their tendencies. Each and every one is different there. What type of challenges does that present as a guy whose job it is to snap the ball to the quarterback, among other things, to get the play started? Uh, it is a challenge. You know, it's it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, everybody, you know, their huddle presence is a little different. Um, you know, those, some of those play calls are long and you got to be able to pick up on every little, um, detail in those. So that, you know, it just, it challenges your listening skills and, and, uh, you know, a lot of, some people might not think listening, um, you know, it just comes natural, but it, it's a skill, especially with, you know, um, with the bullets flying in a game, um, you know, it can really test your listening skills and, and, uh, you know, you get into somebody's rhythm, whether that's cadence or, or huddle and, and then it's a little bit of a change up, you know, you got to remind guys like, Hey, um, like I know Flacco has a little bit more of a, a of a slower cadence than um, Zach and Mike White. So that game where Mike got hurt and Flacco had to come in, you know, he comes to the huddle and before he said the player, like, Hey, give us a sample of your cadence really quick. And um, so that way, when, you know, we get to the line of scrimmage and everybody's antsy, um, you don't get that, uh, that false start. So, um it is it's a little bit of a challenge but you know it's it's a great practice to work on your listening skills so going going forward right and understanding that you know i've been part of seasons like this it's about staying together and being able to, to every week or every time you go out on practice having something that we're going to get better at as an individual and as a group you know you know you being one of the veterans in that room you know what's the focus for the office line because we, we're all a team but we're subgroups first, and we take pride in our position group before we get to our side of the ball or unit. Right, so what's been the focus in, in the offensive line room as far as making sure that you finish strong? Yeah, you know, you hit it exactly. You know, every day um, our goal is to pick out one or two things and get better at that. Um, you know, and as an offensive line, you know, the big thing um, for us, it's it's been, you know, taking your shot. Uh, we, you know, everybody in this offensive line is, is super detail oriented, but it almost to a fault, you know, we want to be perfect and, and, uh, but football isn't perfect. So you got to just be able to, um, you know, strain for those extra couple yards. Um, and you, in, and you might not, you know, be perfect. And I know this is one of my biggest things is just cause I'm not perfect. I, I, sh I can't slow down. Um, worrying about being perfect. And, and I think as an offensive line, we're really getting over that and really training for that extra two or three yards. And at the end of the day, um, that extra strain at the top of the, you know, at the very end of the play, um, you know, just playing football instead of worrying about being perfect. Um, it, it's kind of helped us. And, and, you know, the games where we're really straining for those extra couple of yards of the games, the offense um, looks a little better than, um, than when we're not doing that. So, you know, as a whole team, you know, it's just focus on those little details and, and, you know, a lot of more football games are, are lost than one. Um, and we're, we're really focusing on those little details so we can win football games instead of, instead of lose football games with self-inflicted wounds. Um, if that makes sense. No doubt about it. Connor, hang on tight one sec. We're going to come right back and have more with the Jets Center right after this. It's Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world.
All right, welcome back to Inside the Jets and our player guest segment brought to you by EY, building a better working world. We're chatting with Jets center Connor McGovern. You know, before you came to New York, Connor, you were a member of the Denver Broncos and one of your teammates out there, Demarius Thomas, who was a Jet here for one season in 2019. He tragically passed away last week. And for those of us who just got to know him a little bit, he was always such a great guy to be around, aside from the fact that he was an unbelievable football player. But um, you know, what are some of your memories of playing with DT over there with the Broncos? I think I could uh, fill this whole show up um, with memories um, about DT. Um, so, but a couple of my favorites are, you know, the the first day on the Broncos. Um, you know, I think you know rookies were supposed to report at like three thirty p.m. or something, and um, the type of guy I'm just like sitting around waiting for something. You know, the anxiety builds so i was like you know screw it i'm going into the facilities I'll, i'm sure i can do something there so i show up at like 10 a.m so i'm sitting there in the locker room like the team like um the director of player personnel who's like in charge of the rookies ray jack who's also a phenomenal guy is like yeah well i don't really have anything for you to do so just hang out and the other rookies will be here in you know like four or five hours so i was like okay so i'm just sitting in the locker by myself everybody else is in meetings and, and doing stuff in otas and and uh, the wide receivers get out of meetings first and dt um, sees me sitting there by myself a uh you know a low round draft pick and and he comes up you know he shakes my hand he's like how's it going i'm demarius thomas you know i'm sure my eyes were as big as dinner plates because he's you know a hall of fame player and and uh and i'm like oh i'm connor mcgovern you know i'm, I'm you know he's like oh yeah you know and, and he's like if you need anything let me know like happy to have you on the team i was like dt knows who i you know kind of thing and <laughs> and uh and i was like man you know he's you know it's really cool and so uh he's the type of guy that like you know when you go to the nfl people either you're a rookie and people are always asking like oh what's the nfl like how are the guys in the locker room and you know and when i was a rookie it was always dt's you know demarius thomas you know you get guys like him who are just phenomenal people they'll they're you know superstar players but they're so humble they're down to earth they you know, they, they, they treat you like, you know, you're, you know, equals or whatever. And, um, yeah, he and I had a really good relationship. He, uh, he was way into cars and, and I am, I am as well. And, and, you know, my rookie year definitely didn't have the money to buy anything cool. And, um, so I would sit and he'd drive something to the facilities and, and i never forget his Chevelle. He had a Chevelle and, uh, I think it was a C10. They're both like gunmetal gray. Both had LS supercharged LSs, and I thought they were the coolest things ever. And I'd he'd drive them, and I'd sit there and be staring at them. And he would come out of the building, and you know, he'd open the the hood and the doors, and then we'd sit in it and hear it, and 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 we'd go to all line dinners, and he'd always come to all line dinners, and he would sit there, and we'd sit next to each other and talk about cars, and um, especially my rookie year, got to live um, very vicariously through him and. And about and you know because he pretty much had some of my dream cars and um, he always took the time to to answer any of my questions and and uh, and let me live vicariously through that and um, like I said I have I have a million stories and and uh, but yeah it was, it was a tough loss and um, Thursday morning woke up to some text messages and um, you know I had some phone calls Thursday night with some <laughs> some teammates to um, to talk about it so yeah it, it's uh, it's a guy that definitely won't be forgotten and. And a guy that, you know, every NFL player should should strive to be, you know, just so humble. You know, he he was he was phenomenal. He treated everybody's um, kids. You know, one thing I always noticed just observing is how he treated other players' kids like his own. Um, 
you know, it, he was a, he was a phenomenal human and, and uh, definitely a, a guy that, you know, anybody that played with to carry his legacy on and, and treat people the way that DT treated people is um, he'll be doing pretty good in life. I'll tell you what, his leg, his leg on, you know, through you guys, man, continues to, to, to tell everybody what a great person he was. You know, a lot of times people just see us as athletes and they see what we do on the field, but from everything, you know, tremendous guy off the field. So his legacy lives on and it's tragic news. And it's always tough when you lose a teammate, myself as well, losing Joe McKnight, you know, when he played and that hit the Jets family very hard. You know, so all we can do is make sure that we continue to check on each other, man, and make sure that, you know, we nobody knows his time or hour on this earth, but making sure that we we, we stay with each other. It's a, it's a reminder to make sure that you check on your strong friends as well, man, and make sure that we, you know, keep up on our health. And, you know, as we, you're, you're not there yet, but I'm a retired player, and, you know, the last thing that you want to do is go to the doctor and get physicals and get stuff checked on, you know, when you leave, so – you know, hopefully we can we can take, you know, you know, Damaris Thomas and, and use that as a beacon of light to continue to be better people because he was definitely, you know, one in a million. For sure. He's definitely one of the best, one of the best people I've ever been around. So um, for sure, for sure. Did you ever go ahead and get that car? Did you get a Chevelle of your own yet or what? I didn't get a Chevelle, but I got I got a, a GTO Judge. So I got the, the Pontiac version ah. of a Chevelle. Yeah, it's Carousel Red. I got the... Uh, no, I got the, I put a, uh, I went on, I was a, you know, because of Demarius and, and his car, I was a huge wrestle mod guy. So it, it was, it wasn't, I, I found one that wasn't numbers matching. So I put a, a supercharged LS in it and a Tremec six speed. And so it drives like a normal car, but it, it looks, or a, a modern car, but it looks like a, a GTO judge. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was, he was, he might have, when I signed here, um, I texted him, I was like, hey, do you, do you have any of your Chevelle or do you have your Chevelle or any of your trucks out here? Cause you know, I'm coming, like, if you got yours, I'll bring my judge out. He was like, oh, I don't have it out here, but, and he's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be here or not, where it's kind of 50, 50 right now. Um, <laughs> so I didn't, so I didn't end up bringing it, but um, yeah, I did, uh, I did build a, a car fairly similar to his and, and one that I'd always dreamed about. So. Cool. Just, just so you know, it's a place in old English town. We can take it to the drag strip. Just, just so you know, just saying. Nice <laughs> All right. I might have to bring it I, out and do I, that. <laughs> I had Eleanor. I got rid of it because I didn't. It, mine was like numbers matching, but I got tired oh, really? of having, you know, you got a generator all the time. And if you don't drive, yeah. they sit. It's the old gas and stuff yeah. like that, man. But if I ever do it again, I'm just going to go straight resto mod. I'm just going to yeah, go straight resto because you don't want to deal with the old school problems. Yeah, that's what DT kind of impressed on me. He was like, hey, you know, it, it, every time you turn that key, it, it, she's going to fire right up because it's like a, a brand new car. So, um, yeah, for sure. I, I recommend it. Eleanor's beautiful, but uh, I always I, I stick to the resto mods just for, for ease. And, you know, right now it's sitting back home in, in North Dakota on a trickle charger waiting for, waiting for the snow to melt out there. So, um, yeah, those are awesome. You know, last year you you played through some injuries and gutted it out and still able to finish the season and whatnot. How about this year? You know, with four games still to go in the season, now you're going to throw an extra game on top of it with the 17th one. But how do you feel physically with a quarter of the season still to play, Connor? Uh, you know, uh, definitely better than last year. Um, battling a, a hamstring last year, but, uh, you know, it, and some odd, just odd bumps and bruises last year. It was kind of one of those years for me, and, 
and uh, just weird stuff was kind of happening. But this year, you know, I feel pretty good. And, um, you know, just being an offensive lineman, you have the random um, bumper bruise or whatever. But overall, definitely feeling, um, you know, that kind of, you know, all to my peak health. And and uh, so, you know, just looking forward to keep growing and, and keep trying to do whatever I can to, to help the team get better. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something that, you know, when, when you're knocked out of the playoffs, you know, some people will be like, oh, well, you should probably just, uh, you know, like rest and, and, and take it easy for next year. I was like, well, the moment you do that, you're, you're not going to be playing next year. So, um, you know, these next these last games are, are extremely important when you talk about, in, in my opinion, about changing the culture, you know, doing whatever you can to bring, a, uh, you know, the, the winning culture to an organization. Um, and so, you know, and, and obviously also, you know, improving yourself, you know, there's no better way to improve yourself than, than playing on Sunday. So, uh, you know, I, I really look forward to, you know, keep, keep trying to, you know, bring my best every day and keep, keep doing whatever I can to get better and, and to finish the season as strong as possible. And, and, uh, you know, by doing that, hopefully we can uh, turn this thing around and, and, you know, put us on a, a springboard for next year and, and uh, give you, you know, some games to really build on and, and uh, use it to have a phenomenal season next year. Oh, Bart, I was just going to say, what, I'm curious, like, what kind of conversations do you guys have in that offensive line room? Because for my money, you're, you guys as an offensive line might be the smartest offensive line room in the entire league. You know, when you consider you got some intelligent dudes in there like yourself. I mean, GVR is an Ivy League guy. LDT is a doctor for crying out loud. I mean, so, so what are some of those conversations that are going on in the old line room? We have some uh, really good conversations. Um, you know, we have uh, a very fun, interesting mixed bag. You know, we got a doctor, we got an Ivy leaguer. Um, Morgan Moses will, will tell you, uh, you know, Virginia is, is about one school away from being an Ivy league school. Um, <laughs> so you got, you got some great personalities, um, some really smart guys, some, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good time. And, and like I said, I mean, you know, we truly enjoy being around each other and we truly enjoy, um, you know, going to work every day. And, uh, it helps me have a room like that, you know, it, and, um, I'm sure everybody, you know, has had jobs where they, they really enjoy their coworkers and some jobs where they're, they're not huge fans. So, um, the fact that we all get along so well, um, the fact that, you know, we just mesh really well and, and uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty high level sarcasm for the most part and, and, and fun little jabs here or there. And you got to you definitely got to bring your uh, your best wits every day um, to the old line room. And um, we have a good time. And and but in doing that, you know, it, it makes us um, have more fun so we can, you know, use that to get better every day. It's a lot a lot easier to, to go and give your best every day when you're in a good mood, you're having fun. Um, you know, you're la you can laugh and joke. Um, and then you can, and you know, we're all pretty good at locking in when it's time to be serious. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun time for sure. For sure. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of crypto NFT talk going on in there right now. There has, there has been, there has been a little bit. I, I wonder what, what's the conversation this week? Like, because Miami's a unique place to play. And it's even more unique. We have to play in November and December when where you're living is 50 degrees cooler than where you're about to go. 
And it's fun when you get off the plane, it's sunny, but then you feel that humidity and you start coursing yourself. Have you guys started drinking a Pedialyte and pickle juice already, or what's the plan to make sure? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, I think we've already started hydrating from, I mean, obviously last game, um, you know, you know, Big Mo, like, for a, a large human, he just doesn't sweat. And so you're like, you're like, that's crazy, but you're going to go down to Miami and you're going to be leaking. So um, we're definitely trying to rehydrate from the last game. And, and uh, saw Big George, you know, he comes from a basketball background. So he had uh, the th- the thermals on last, uh, this last weekend while, and had a jacket on the sidelines. I'm, I'm a, a little bit more uh, uh, cold blooded and, being from North Dakota. So I was in my normal stuff, but it's kind of funny. You do go from that and then um, you go to it, either an indoor stadium or you go to Miami and, and uh, that template drive you had, you know, like what we had on Sunday. And and then you have the, if you had the exact same drive in Miami, you're going to be definitely a lot more tired. And I remember in um, Indy, we had, I don't know, we had like a, a 14, a 15 and a 16 or something like that, like three drives in a row. And, we were all like dying, and we're like, "What? Like, what's going on?" We're like, "Oh yeah, we're in we're in an indoor stadium where the, you know it's a lot warmer than what we've been playing and practicing in the last couple of weeks." So um, that is definitely an element. You you get off the plane, you're like, "Wow, this feels pretty good." And then you get in the game, and and uh, all of a sudden that oxygen mask and those water bottles look a little bit more tempting than uh, than they did the week before. So. Have, have, have you found some time to get some Christmas shopping in? I mean, it's got to be tough, you know, during the football season with all the commitments you have for work. Do, do you find time to get that in? Is it all just online and you take care of it that yeah, way? Yeah, I mean, you end up ordering a lot more stuff online, a little Amazon here or there. But um, being in New York, it makes shopping a little bit um, a little bit easier. Jersey, um, being so close to the city. Um, George, uh, Big George actually had a really um, cool fundraiser with uh, Saks. So I know a lot of guys got the – got some of their uh, Christmas shopping done and, and got to help George's uh, uh, for the FAMP foundation out doing that. So I've um, been, been trying to sneak it in here or there. So um, yeah, I got the, uh, got the O-line gift exchange coming up. So I've been working hard on finding a, a clever gift for that. So you got to come well, through. What's up, what's up with the rookie? What's up with the rookie party? What's up with that? And what's, what's the budget? Uh, so, We've actually we were we were pretty nice to Beck last year, um, and obviously it was with COVID and stuff, so that you know we couldn't really uh, go that hard. But uh, AVT's been been a been a really good rookie, so I don't I don't think the rookie tax will be be too high on that. Um, but uh, we're saving that for the the night after the season to um, have a good have a good time um, on AVT's uh, on AVT's bill. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, that'll, that'll happen right after the season, but he's been a good rookie. So that's, that's kind of how I always have gauged it. You know, if you're a good rookie, your rookie dinner or, or party won't be quite as bad. If, if you're, if you lack on the rookie duties throughout the rookie duties throughout the year, um, then your, uh, your bill will, will reflect that. So he's been a great rookie. So, um, the yeah, I won't tax him too bad. What's that? The, the chicken's always hot and on time, then, I take it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the um, – we've had some of the best donuts this Saturday, these Saturday mornings. The donut, when when your Saturday morning donuts are showing up hot, uh, you're doing something right as a rookie. So, yeah, he's been good. Got to have them fresh. Got to have them fresh. fresh. Yeah, when they're that fresh, it's, hard, it's hard, to, hard, to, hard to have any complaints when they're that fresh. So 
No doubt about it. Hey, Connor, thanks for a couple of minutes here on your off day. Really appreciate you spending some time with us. Best of luck against the Dolphins here and for the rest of the season, but we always enjoy catching up with you. Thanks again, my friend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, that is Connor McGovern for joining us. More to do coming up here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets. Dan Grasta and Bart Scott were brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app, presented by Fubo Sportsbook. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. There was a lot of good games yesterday, you know, in terms of the hype when you looked at the schedule, but a couple in particular in that late afternoon window, San Francisco-Cincinnati game, which went into OT, and then you had the uh, Buffalo-Tampa game, also in OT, and it's a former Jet who plays the role of hero in Brashad Perryman with a walk-off touchdown from Tom Brady there in the OT, but really both of them outstanding games, and those are the games that you're on the losing side, Bart, you hate to lose. Well, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, if you want to start with the Buffalo Tampa game, it looked like it was going to be a laugher. This is a team that really couldn't stop, you know, you know, stop the oil from or stop the water from flooding the boat. But then they, they showed us showed us something at the in the second half all the way to come back and, and go into overtime. You know, whether you want to talk about what was that pass interference in the end zone or not, you know, it is what it is. You got to find ways to win this game. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills find themselves, you know, holding on for dear life to make it to the postseason. Tampa looks as dominant as ever, like they're finally getting their stride. Uh, Tom Brady, you talk about Rashad Perriman, it's like crazy saying a former Jet who did, most people probably didn't even know was on the roster That's comes right. in in a pivotal time. You know, and that just shows you like the depth of talent. That's what we're talking about because, you know, if I ask you to name the receivers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rashad Perriman, you, you, you might name 15 people or 10 people before you even get to him. Like, you know, you go Scotty Miller, you go Godwin, you go Evans, you go OJ, uh, the Juice Man, you go Break, you go Gronk. You're like, okay, like, okay, still. Oh, wow, they have Bashad Perriman as well. And, you know, you go Antonio Brown. And that just that's what we're kind of talking about when you talk about building depth, right? You hit the depth of talent, right? Not that big of a drop-off from 1A to 1B to 1C or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it's just it's just a, a indication of what you're trying to build towards. But you know, you talk about exciting games. You know, now Buffalo coming down to all these divisional games at the Seven end of the month. The NFL, yeah, they done us a job, a great job. So like now, you know, it makes that Indianapolis. If if the if the Patriots can beat Indy, then it, it almost pushes the division out of Buffalo's grasp and it makes that game amongst each other a must win. And in Gillette. You know, but under right conditions. You know, I, you know, we knew advantage. You know, really favored the Patriots once we saw the elements when they had to play in their first matchup, and then to go to you know the Bengals and you know who's holding on, who falls to third in their division with a loss. Baltimore loses, but you know Cincinnati loses as well. But because Cleveland beat Cincinnati, it actually put Cincinnati it put Cincinnati in third in the division. So now that what we love is pressure bust pipes, and we're coming down to the stretch where. Every game, every play is important where the playoffs start far before the playoffs actually start because every game is a must win and teams have to go on the must win mode. And the San Francisco 49ers are one of those teams. But also, much like the AFC version of the Indianapolis Colts, the San Francisco 49ers is that team that if they get in the, yep. in the pro season, nobody wants to play. You know, they had injuries early on, but nobody wants to see Debo Samuels, who's leading the league in rushing as a receiver, who now, if you have to ask what his position is, you just say slash because he, he's also, you know, 
leading the league in touchdown receptions as well. So what a year he's having. He's probably one of the, you know, this year, he's probably one of the top 10 players in the game in football, period, let alone receiver. Him and Cordero oh, Patterson, man, they're doing ever seen. Oh, yeah. Cordero Patterson for the Falcons is having a phenomenal season. And it's all about opportunity. You know what I mean? It's like you take – and that's and I think that coaching goes a little bit hand-in-hand hand with that. It's you identify a talent. You don't peg them necessarily into one position. If they're a playmaker on offense, yeah. if they're explosive, they could do something, put the ball in their hands. Like, you know, you mentioned Patterson. Patterson, he's essentially acting as a running back. He could return kicks for you. He could be a wide receiver. Just get this guy the ball in space and let him go and do his thing, and it helps the football team. Well, that, that takes a very mature coach, right? Because you have to say, don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do and put him in positions to do that and for us to use it, right? And because, you know, everybody has a skill set. Everybody that gets to the league is good and unique at something. You, know, you, you put him in a position to do that and, and you can get you can get benefits because just think about the people, you know, Minnesota drafted uh, Cordero Patterson. Never could get the full potential. And it took a guy like Arthur, Arthur Smith to be able to unlock all his talents. And it's very rare that you see somebody seven, eight years in the league, you know, becoming an all-pro. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or becoming the pro. Or being As able to have the best year. Exactly. You know, with the Bears and kind of bouncing around. And, um, you know, he can play at this level for, for quite a few years. And, you know, it's exciting. It's great to see, right? Because – we're starting to get to, I believe, the, the position in football where it is in basketball, where you talk about positionless players. What is he? He's yep. an offensive uh, threat, right? We see that with we see that with uh, Pitts playing receiver slash, you know, tight end. We we see that with with Samuels. We see that you know sometimes with um, you know uh, sometimes with Elijah Moore. We see that. So it's exciting to see. That's why when they drafted more, I kind of thought Debo Samuel from that San Francisco Shanahan offense that we're incorporating here with Michael Floor still could come true. And of course, Elijah was making strides before he got injured there. Inside the Jets brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code GREEN for a special offer when you sign up. It's only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Bart, back to the division this week. It's Miami Dolphins down in South Beach. Always a rivalry game. We'll do this again next week, my friend. Enjoy the game. Look forward to it. All right. He's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grasa. Thanks for joining us again here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. So long, everybody.